What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 44, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, uh, Fair Game. Oh, Not that's my mistake. That's okay. We're talking about Fair Game. And uh, I guess everything is fair game, even a typo? Even a typo. How's that segment? Fair game. There you go. It's yeah. like I planned it. Well, so my creative juices today are going to be either really interestingly wonky or completely <laughs> vapid because it's the Saturday before school starts. Yeah, and believe me, everything is falling us. apart. Yeah. So um, it's fine. It's good. But it's also, you know. I got a lot going on, so my brain is in like seven places. So, hey, I get preliminary that. Preliminary apologies. I get that. Um, you can find us, dear listeners. You can find us on Google Play Podcasts and on Spotify Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. When you find us, uh, I still haven't double checked to see how easy it is to find us uh, exactly. I do know that, like I said, when you put in Stargate, you find us in one of the top three. I think maybe higher. Uh, we were try- I didn't do that in Apple Podcasts. We were talking about that last time. But anyway, on Spotify, when you find us and you like us, you can see that little heart button that's right there. Just click on that thing, and that's going to make other people find us when they look for Stargate. And for Apple Podcasts and on Google Play Podcasts, give us those ratings. Those lovely, delicious five-star ratings. Like and uh, yeah, when people let us know that they have found us and give us those ratings. Oh, you know what they should do is that they should run those ratings by us first, right? We can proof them for them. Sure. Take a look at it. Yep. Make sure the grammar's yep. okay. Yep. Absolutely. Get the punctuation right. That's right. Uh, but how, Zach, how would they run that by us? Uh, well, if you want to run by what you're going to put in your ratings so that we can, you know, vet that and such, then the easiest way of doing that is to email us. And you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's at gmail.com. I'm grinning. Uh, do you do you want to try that again, or do you think people can? Uh, you like, know what? Understand? I think that that nailed it perfectly. You got this, folks. So you know perfectly. how that works. Um, or you can find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or Facebook Walking Through the Stargate. We have a Facebook page and we mm-hmm. have a Facebook group. And uh, welcome to the two or three people of the past couple of weeks who have uh, joined us on the Facebook page and group. Yes, welcome. Yes. Um, and a couple of people, a couple people have followed us on Twitter as well. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, you know these communities are small. Yes, because we're but a small mighty. podcast. But but <laughs> you guys are a great audience, and we love you all. And we oh, would yeah. love to see more interaction. And since I am terrible at Facebook, I am calling you to help. Uh, Gatewalkers assemble. Gatewalkers assemble. <laughs> <laughs> I need a hammer. Uh oh. Or 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 a <clears throat> staff weapon. Mm. A zat gun. A zat gun. Is that there it gun? is. There we go. Um so uh yeah, get a hold of us, talk to us there, uh give us the, the ratings, those are really helpful for, mm-hmm. for us and for getting the word out. Uh share uh with your friends and your family and such uh, about about this if you're enjoying our podcast and this walk through the, the Stargate. Yeah. A uh, couple weeks ago, Brent, we had kind of a bonus episode we threw out there during our break time uh, yep. to kind of look at 
uh, season three. And in that, I asked people uh, spur of the moment to let us know their questions so that we could talk about them. Well, we did have a question come in that came in just a little bit too late for our recording, but I found them and I meant to talk about them last week and I totally forgot. Uh, so here they are. Okay. Brent. Mm-hmm. This is from David, uh, who is our promo guy. He's the guy that makes yes. the promos. So thank you very much, David, for doing oh, that. Man. We love you for that. Totally. He asks, he would <laughs> like to know from you, um, your thoughts on what you, uh, what did you think the show was going to be versus what it has become? So, like, when yeah. you first uh, heard about this, you knew the, the movie, but you didn't know anything about the show. Uh, so, what did you think about, uh, what did you think the show was going to be and what has it become and how are those uh, the same or different? Yeah, so... Um the as as good of a job as I have been doing in remaining spoiler free, uh, uh, there have been enough little bits and bobs that have leaked through that I kind of um, I think that some of the most amazing parts that are yet to be I might have like seen little bits or bobs here or there. Right. I, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to be right or wrong. I do my best to kind of not remember it and just sort of take an episode at a time. But because of the movie. I was expecting the television show to be uh, a lot of the same with the movie. I was a little, uh, I hesitate to word, use the word surprise. I, I was definitely thinking it was going to remain in the Egyptian pantheon, really. I thought that that was kind of the direction that it was going to kind of stay. And uh, that the world is, ex that the universe is expanding and that there are so many more races now being introduced and... Um, engaged with and and uh uh you know especially with this latest episode which we'll get into there's really starting to become a solidification of uh you know like instead of humanity being like kind of scurrying around at the outskirts like mice like actually participating in a galactic political <laughs> stage right like right. um so so it's 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 by a long shot uh, turning into something that is very rich. I'm recognizing it right now. I was recognizing it a bit at the end of season two. And that differs from when I was first starting to watch it because I did think that we were going to have uh, a lot of stories that involved the Egyptian um, mythology uh, and uh, like, um, what's the best word? Certainly not history, <laughs> uh, but uh, but like historical fiction type thing, right? Where right. where there's going to be these interesting explanations as to why these elements in the Egyptian culture work. Because you know, I mean, I remember in the late '90s, especially, it's not gotten a whole lot better. But like, uh, Egyptologists were um, doing their best to understand what was still a very um, opaque culture. Right. Uh, there was a lot that was known, but there was so much more that was unknown, and so it was difficult to. Uh, really appreciate what was going on or the depths of it, or there was still a lot of things that were mysterious. And so I thought we were going to be playing around with those mysteries. Turns out we are playing around in the galaxy and we got, uh, we got the grays and we got uh, Thor making a regular appearance. And yes. um, this is exciting stuff. I'm liking it a lot. Well, I will say that, uh, you know, we will continue to delve into the Egyptian pantheon as, sure. as time progresses. Um, because that's a strong element of the Gould. Uh, but the Gould mm -hmm. are not uh, restricted to the Egyptian pantheon, and we'll see that expand as well as we move on. Yeah. Yep. Um, so David also asks me, uh, he'd like to hear about my rewatch 
experience, uh, knowing what lies ahead, has any of this changed my views on the early seasons? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if it has. Uh, I mean, some of the episodes I have greater respect, and other episodes perhaps I've lost a little bit of respect, but that has more to do with, with how you and I uh, talk about these things and, and then just kind of wrestle with them and whatnot. Sure. Um, uh, I, I do, I am, since I'm paying more attention as I watch these episodes now than I have for the last two or three watches, uh, I am seeing more richness come out. I'm seeing more of the cinematography. I'm seeing more mm, of the, mm-hmm. the, the movement and the directing and the acting uh, beyond just simply the voices and the music and such. Uh, and so I'm getting, uh, it's like, oh, wow, these are actually, uh, this is really well acted or... Or, you know, on the rare occasion, relatively, uh, that was done badly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but most of the time, these are really, really good actors who are doing really, really good jobs. Um, and so I'm noticing that more as I watch these episodes. Uh, I don't know if that has, didn't really, really change it, but just uh, helped me see more richness through this project. I have been really ad- ad- noticing and taking advantage of that. Zach, when you're doing the his- the, the the research into it, um, you mentioned this before, but now that we're, since you are really paying attention to the writers and the directors, we're starting to see patterns. And then I'm also benefiting from you noticing that stuff because I love that kind of detail. I love understanding mm-hmm. and appreciating not only what's going on in universe, but also with the uh, storytelling and the, the 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 way that they are constructing it outside the universe too. Cool. Yep. Um, so with that, then let's move on to dig into those background facts. Yeah. Uh, yes, so I don't have a whole lot to say about the director and the teleplay because the director is Martin Wood, and we've had a lot of conversations about him already. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. This is his second of six episodes this season that he directs. Okay. Uh, he directed the the first episode into the fire this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's got this one and uh, four more. Uh, Robert C. Cooper, we've heard his name a hundred times already, and we'll hear it a thousand more times. Uh, that might be hyperbole. Um, maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. But this is his first writing credit this season, and he's got five more after this. For both of those two guys, if you want to know more about their history, their background, uh, I invite you to go uh, listen through our previous podcasts, because I will talk more about that then. Mm-hmm. As for guest actors, we, of course, have Taylor Rothery as Dr. Frazier in this. Yeah. Um, awesome. I have mentioned before that Doctor uh, that Michael Shanks, who plays Doctor Jackson, uh, did the voice of Thor. And as I was doing research for this, I realized that this is actually the very first episode that Shanks is doing the voice. Gotcha. I had Thor. noticed that his voice sounded a little different. Yep. Um, I mean, not too different, but right. And and I believe then from this point on, moving forward, every time we see Thor, it will be Michael Shanks' voice. Cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, we do have three Guawuld in this episode that are uh, important. Kronos, Nirti, and Yuhang, Yuhuang Shang-Ti. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kronos is played by Ron Halder. He was born uh, July 13, 1953. He's a Canadian actor and a voice actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a whole ton of stuff, but he's been on Highlander the series, Millennium, hmm. Hope Island, uh, 
some roles in X-Files, Outer Limits, Dead Man's Gun, Poltergeist, etc., etc. Yeah, he looked very familiar. He's been and, in a lot of things. Yeah. As you're reading this stuff, I, like part of me is like, uh, do I remember that? Because I, um, do you know if he was in the movie Highlander at all? I don't know. No, um, but yeah, don't worry about it. Up. Sure, but um, anyway, yeah, his face he, is very familiar. As best I could tell, was not in Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. Boo. Maybe he was an uncredited uh, extra. There, that's that's entirely possible. Yes. Uh, Jacqueline Samuda, I'm not certain if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, she plays Nirti. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was looking around, I found that she was born on October 25, mm-hmm. and it didn't specify the date, the year that she was born. I looked around, and and I kept poking, and it, I found something that said 1982. And I'm like, mm. wow, she's really young. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. that can't be right. Because when you look at her IMDb uh, uh, page, her first credit is in 1985. And we're not talking about a role for a three-year-old mm. in 19... 19- <laughs> also, this yeah. episode is was, was made in uh, 1999, which would have made her 17, 17. years old. No right. way she's 17 right. in this. Well, it was uh, born in October 2582. She was, you know, there's no way she was 16. Ah, uh, that's true. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so clearly Sorry, that 1982 is uh, not right. I'm guessing it's probably closer to 72. Uh, but don't say that out loud. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if her first credit uh-huh. is 85 and she was born in 72, that still means she was only 13. Oh, I, I'm just saying. I'm oh, just saying. Just, it's, just, it's thin ice, dude. It's just thin ice. All right. Well. Hey, who played uh, Who played you? You. Uh, well, you play. You are you. Vince Cristejo or Cristejo. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume that that J is a Y sound. Cristejo. Uh, Vince Cristeo, he plays Yu Huang Shang-Ti. He was originally a stuntman. Oh. And uh, I didn't get when he was <laughs> born and find that anywhere. Uh, interestingly, his IMDb credits end with Stargate SG-1. Oh, So after okay. SG-1, uh, he stops doing film and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I poked around. I noticed that some people were asking questions. Hey, whatever happened to you? Um, <laughs> what happened to, to me? The, you know, whatever happened to, to you know, you. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. It's a bad joke and I keep making it. Oh, I know, but it's a great joke because it's getting used all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, I, and we don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, clearly he stopped doing film and TV to pursue something else in his life. And uh, that's that. Mm-hmm. Um. So the original air date for Fair Game was July 9, 1999. Number mm-hmm. one in the charts was If You Had My Love by Jennifer Lopez. Yep. Still. Still. In the UK, they were re- listening to some Ricky Martin with Livin' La Vida Loca. Ah! inside out, Livin' La Vida Loca. So I was having trouble pulling audio, um, so, you know. Insider information, uh, I, use a, I use an iOS device to record the show, and uh, I am that person that decides that running betas is a good idea, and so um, I don't know if I, I tried to pull audio for the song uh, 9, 9 p.m. till I come <clears throat> uh, 
from last week and I couldn't couldn't get it to work. So I don't know if I'll be able to pull Living La Vida Loca, but you know what? If I can. It's a, a Living La Vida Loca. We'll be listening to a little bit of Ricky Martin. Well, as we rock out to the grooving tunes of Living La Vida Loca, uh, mm-hmm. the box office for July 9th, 9, it was to begin with American Pie as number one. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that. Uh, uh, Yes. yes, it's one of those movies that just dates me. <laughs> How so? Well, I mean, so like this this is exactly the movie when I was nine, you know, I was in college at this point in time and when this movie comes out, I yeah. was sufficiently removed from high school but still remembered high school that this oh, yeah. you know, this is the movie um that that uh uh just made my entire generation giggle and laugh. And, oh yes, and uh, you know we're, it was gloriously inappropriate, um, all of those things, um, and so that just kind of um, this one and probably Austin Powers or two of those yep. franchises from the late nineties yep. that uh, just kind of uh, really uh, highlighted the the uh, puerile humor of of uh, my college generation. All college generations, let's be honest. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but this was my college generation. Yes, this was yours. This was yours. Yeah. This wasn't the reboot or not the reboot, but you know, like the 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 interminable sequels that they ended up having. Oh no. No, this is the original. Yes. Uh, um, apple pie. Like warm apple pie. That's right. <laughs> yes. Okay. So moving uh, right along. Moving on. <laughs> that was number one in the box office this week. Number two was Wild Wild West. Number yep. three, Big Daddy. Number four, Tarzan. And number five, The General's Daughter. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, my wife uh, very graciously told me, uh, You don't remember that we saw that movie when we were in college. And I'm like, Nope. <laughs> so what's it about? I don't remember. Oh dear! So she told you that you saw, it, but she didn't tell you any details. Oh yeah, but but I, uh, ah. it's 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 got. Uh, hey, look uh, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened on this date? <laughs> um. So uh, a couple of days before this, on July sixth, U.S. Army Private Barry Winchell dies from baseball bat injuries inflicted in his sleep. Uh, because he was beaten up the previous day by fellow soldiers for his relationship with transgendered showgirl and former Navy combat medic Calpurnia Adams. Hmm. Uh, I, I had I not about heard about this at no. all, but as I read it, I'm like, oh man, yeah, seriously, people. Well, late nineties. Yeah. Not that that's an excuse at excuse. all, but yeah. So, people, dude. People, stop being people and be humans. Be, be, be good. Be good. Be good. You're supposed to be good. Uh, July 8th, a couple days later, day before this episode airs, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, this is the book, the third book in the series by J.K. Rowling, is mm-hmm. published by Bloomsbury in the U.K. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yeah, I, you know, kind of puts that in perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. On July 9th, 
there, it says, Days of student protests begin after Iranian police and hardliners attack a student dormitory at the University of Tehran. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't heard about this either. Nope. Um, but, uh, and then also on the 9th, Princess Alexia of Greece and Denmark, who was 33, weds architect and yachtsman Carlos Morales Quintana, who was 28, at mm-hmm. St. Sophia Cathedral in London, England. So, royal weddings. Yay. Yay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, good for them. Yeah. Uh, so, a couple of trivia things about this episode before we get into it. Uh, this it was a kind of a challenging episode um, because Nearty and you, Jacqueline and Vince, uh, had spent very little time in front of the camera uh, as as actors. Jacqueline mm. uh, was a storyteller, story editor, and did some of that stuff there. Mm. Um, and uh, you was primarily a stuntman, so he had a mm-hmm. different. In way of doing things, and so that was proved something of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just bumped the mic. I'm sorry about that. You can yeah, fix whatever. That. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll make it louder. There you go. Bang bang. <laughs> um, they had a lot of fun with this episode. So um, uh, they 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 loved making the you jokes on stage. You know, yes. but you Huang Tang Shang Tea Latte. Uh, uh, <laughs> apparently, the 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 worst one about this was uh, uh, Richard Dean Anderson, uh, and uh, whenever he got on people's nerves about that, then he just went over to the puppet and started playing, you know, talking with the puppet for Thor, <laughs> and and apparently the, the puppeteers for Thor really enjoyed having uh, witty repartee with RDA, uh, and uh, you would have things like outtakes of, of Thor turning to the camera and yelling, damn it, what's my line? <laughs> uh, and, and things like that. Uh, and so those are just a couple of uh, fun notes from the Illustrated Companion. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have access to any of those outtakes because they're not allowed to share those outtakes with us. Yet. Yet. Uh, when MGM realizes that there's money to be made from launching them out of the vault, they'll do they it. They will do so. Yep. Uh, so uh, this episode is called Fair Game. In French, that's Diplomacy. Mm. Uh, in Italian, it's Easy Target. In mm-hmm. Spanish, it's The Summit, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because there is an episode later on in the series called The Summit, and I wondered what they do with that. Um, the other summit. The other summit. <laughs> <laughs> the second summit. The second summit. <laughs> I'm, I am interested to know. So when we get there, well, I'll, I'll do my best to remember. If, if, if I remember, I'll make note of that at that point in time. Sure. Uh, in Czech, they called this Peace Conference. Uh, and in Germany, die Sat des uh, Verats. And uh, my, my uh, German colleagues and friends are going to just roast <laughs> me for my pronunciation yeah. of that. Uh, but that's the seeds of betrayal. Mm. Ah, so uh, all sorts of different titles 
of this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, there is one goof that I want to highlight for this episode. Mm -hmm. When the base is being ep emptied of weapons for the arrival mm -hmm. of the system lords, there are a couple of huge uh, M2 Brownings on either side of the ramp. Uh, oh, I noticed. And, and, then, and then when they cut back, they're gone. I did not notice that part. So when we got to that, um, there, there was a couple of scenes that were happening right there as they were getting everything prepared. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, uh, uh, you know, I thought it was funny that the soldiers were like, you know, running as fast as they can through the blast doors. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And as opposed to like, you know, I don't know, having already secured, but I don't know, whatever. And then they cut to the scene where the gate, oh, then they're dialing the gate, which per the rules means that somebody can go from earth to somewhere, not from somewhere to earth. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. And then uh, the third thing was that I was noticing those, those, uh, I guess they were M2 Brownings. I didn't know what they were, but yeah, those huge guns on either side of the gate. I'm like, well, what, those are weapons right there. Uh, yeah. Those are in fact, very big weapons right there. I didn't notice them going away because I was catching myself at that moment. And I said, you know what? I better just relax and enjoy the ride or else I'm going to be trying. You know what I mean? Like I was kind of <laughs> getting into that nitpicky headspace and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. We're just going to, yeah. we're just going to enjoy um, this. So I, I actually, um, I, I noticed, especially like when, when the gate starts going off and the, the claxons mm -hmm. start firing, uh, you see this, this group of about six or seven, uh, guards with, with big guns running down the hall. And I'm like, mm -hmm. where are they going? <laughs> are they like, oh crap, we got to get out of here and running for the back door. I don't know. Right. I was like, yeah, it was peculiar. That, that, that scene there, um, it's like, that doesn't fit. It sure was exciting. Um, oh, sure. Uh, the uh, the dialing of the gate. Uh, there are a lot of those goofs along the ways of, of things. There was actually one of the goofs that I noticed noted here. I didn't actually type it in. Where when the, the seventh chevron locked into place, it happened to be Earth, which would mm -hmm. not be the case. Um, uh, but, but we also have determined that each gate actually has a slightly different configuration of glyphs. Uh, so it's entirely possible that the, the glyph from wherever the point of origin is, uh, isn't actually on our gate at all. So how that works has always been a little bit, uh, glossed over. Fine. I'm just saying, I like, I, like it's, it's like, it's a strategic element. It was, it was, it was prominently featured as a strategic element in one of the episodes where if they can dial out then that is going to preclude somebody from dialing in and oh, and, and absolutely I, and in that case i guess it, i guess it doesn't super matter because they were dialing out to a gate location that wasn't the one where they were coming you know like that the other gate location was actually more important than getting on the phone first but right um anyway well uh i mean as is so true with television in general and 90s television in particular um uh when it matters it matters mm -hmm. and when it doesn't matter it really it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. <laughs> yep yep all right uh brent shall we dig into the synopsis here yes all right so this is from the stargate command wiki uh with some of my own edits uh we'll see how it goes at Stargate Command, the U.S. Secretary of Defense, Arthur Sims, visits and gives a speech during a gathering in the gate room. 
After Sims has finished his speech, General Hammond tells all the military personnel to come to attention before announcing that Captain Samantha Carter has been promoted to the rank of Major. Much Yay! to Sam's own surprise. Yay! Major Yay! Carter! Yay! Major Carter! Yeah, that's an exciting moment. Mm-hmm. As Sam steps forward, Hammond and Colonel O'Neill remove her captain insignia and replace them with the major insignia, and mm-hmm. then they salute her. Mm-hmm. Hammond then announces that Jack is going to uh, give a speech, but just when Jack starts his speech, he is suddenly transported away, much to everyone's shock. Jack finds himself in conclusion aboard an yes. Asgard ship. <laughs> Where he is greeted by Thor. Thor wastes no time in telling him that the Gould system lords are planning an attack on Earth after the news that SG-1 killed Hathor. Mm -hmm. The system lords will be sending a fleet far more powerful than the one SG-1 faced at the hands of Apophis. Now, the majority of the Asgard fleet is busy and cannot defend Earth, which is a real problem. However... Thor offers Earth a membership in the Asgard's Protected Planets Treaty as an alternative to destruction. uh, When I was watching it, it wasn't funny funny, and as I'm just listening to it, it's just like, I'm sorry, the fleet for your protection is currently occupied. Please join this membership in order to save your souls. Like, er, I guess not souls, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it it wasn't that funny. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. It was good. It It was, I'm sorry, carry on. All right. Uh, back at SGC, SG-1 talks with Hammond about the offer. And when Thor appears and says the system lords will appear soon to negotiate, uh, arriving via the Stargates, uh, arriving via the SGC Stargate, and that O'Neill will represent Earth. So this is one of those spots that I didn't quite edit quite nicely. In any yeah, case, uh, O'Neill was going to represent Earth. And yes. the Gould are coming Ooh, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you pick Jackson? Jackson's a good choice. No, we're picking you. Oh, man. A while later, during a briefing, Dr. Jackson informs the people at SGC about the three system lords who will be appearing on behalf of the system lords. Kronos, mm-hmm. you, and Nirti. Mm-hmm. No, not you, Brent. You, Huang, Shang-Ti. Oh, good. Oh, for a moment there. Yeah. yeah. G- glad to hear it. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. You're not a ghoul. Uh, are you a ghoul? Mm. Oh, no. Uh, Cronus was the ghoul <laughs> who banished Sokar. Okay. You mm-hmm. uh, was based as on one of China's greatest emperors, who was born of a dragon, apparently. You uh, was also probably most willing for Earth to join the protected planets because he his territories are located on the far side of the ghoul empire, and he doesn't really care about this little planet over here. Mm-hmm. Nirti was an Indian god of destruction and death, and also the Gould who destroyed Cassandra Fraser's planet Hanka. Uh, at that point in time, uh, she was referred to as He, um, which has been retconned uh, to say that, well, maybe Nirti had a different body at that point in time, and it was a male That's host. That's right. Um, I remember you were saying something about that. And I'm like, well, okay, fine. You can retcon that. I just find it a mistake i mean right uh the sgc takes immediate actions to follow the rules for the meeting as given them by the asgard which includes the removal of every weapon from the premises 
Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a hasty fashion. In a hasty fashion. <laughs> oh, one little note here that I'll toss in at this point in time regarding uh, fair game and near tea. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know this because, let's be honest, I don't know a whole lot about uh, Hindu goddesses. Um, but near, this is from the, the uh, Illustrated Companion. Uh, Nirti is the Hindu goddess of darkness, a deceitful, destructive deity. She uses her power of invisibility to wreak havoc wherever possible. Wow. Uh, so if, if that's actu- actually accurate, uh, yeah. that, that's uh, really clever. Uh, I, I love really, that stuff. Uh, clever. I like the way then that that the writers used Nirti for this role yep. in this position. So that just fits nicely yep. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at this point in time, as they're removing all of the weapons, uh, we see get this one little scene of uh, Carter handing off all of the Gua'uld weapons they have, the hand device and the thing from the the Ashrak, but the healing device stays because it's just a healing device. Mm-hmm. Uh, way to foreshadow things. Yeah, I yes. Uh, yeah, I thought I, I knew that was going to play a part. I yeah, didn't yeah. know which part. I thought it was going to play a different part, but yeah. There you go. Finally, the Goa will arrive and are quickly ushered to their respective VIP rooms. Kronos seems to regard Teal'c with a special brand of contempt. Daniel learns from Teal'c that his father, Ronak, was Kronos' first prime back in the day, and that he was killed by Kronos after a failed attack on one of Kronos' enemies. Teal'c and his mother were then forced to flee to Chulak. After this event, Teal'c vows to become the first prime of Apophis, who is the sworn enemy of Kronos, and then stick it to the man. So, okay. We're not done. Okay, all right. Put a pin in that. Hold on to that one. Okay. The negotiations soon begin, but O'Neill offends the visitors before the meeting even starts by talking out of turn. Mm-hmm. Thor then explains what happened and that the system lords really don't like each other at all. Um, mm-hmm. This is probably the reason why they didn't help Apophis when he attacked Earth, because they don't like each other. Jack and Daniel later talk with Thor, asking him why the Asgard haven't taken the Gua'uld out. Thor tells them that the Asgard are not proud of the situation, but reveals to them that the Asgard have to constantly bluff their power with the Gua'uld because a much greater threat is at the forefront of their own galaxy. Bum, bum, bum. If the bluff holds, the system lords will self-monitor and stop rogue Gua'uld, such as Sokar, uh, should he decide to attack a protected planet. If the bluff doesn't hold, well, crap. (laughs) O'Neill informs SG-1 of the situation. Negotiations continue after an apology is sent sent for any previous misdemeanors. Finally, the Gua'uld agree to the Asgard offer, yet they demand a high price from Earth. They demand the immediate and unconditional surrender of the Earth's Stargate. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. would effectively end the SGC and destroy any possibility they have for future acquisition of advanced alien technology. And theoretically, definitively defines how many Stargates are on Earth. Theoretically. Theoretically. I mean, the fact that the Gua'uld know that there are two stargates yes. on Earth as it stands is pretty impressive. Um, that was the, yeah. Yeah, that was my, that was my takeaway in that moment where it's like, oh, they, they know. They knew there was the one in Egypt and they knew there was the one in Antarctica. Yeah. And, but they are saying both. They aren't saying all. So. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. 
After talking over with SG-1 and Hammond, O'Neill asks Thor for his advice. Uh, Thor is unable to advise O'Neill on what to do. Regretfully, the United States Secretary of Defense informs him that Earth agrees to the demands of the Gould, arguing that the Stargates would be of no use if Earth is gone. Well, which makes sense. If the Earth is blown up into a little pile of debris, the Stargates aren't going to help you a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Daniel goes on to relay this to the system lords when he hears an alarm and discovers that both Kronos and Tilk were badly wounded. Dr. Frazier informs them that Teal'c will be okay, but Kronos has been mortally wounded. Jack, Sam, Daniel, Hammond, and Frazier discuss the case. Uh, Daniel reveals that Teal'c's resentment towards Kronos is due to the fact that Kronos killed Teal'c's father, which has Jack completely stunned and wondering why Teal'c didn't tell him. Daniel defends him, stating that Teal'c confided in Daniel all of this. But even so, we don't think that Teal'c actually did this. Still, it looks really, really bad. SG-1 enlists the aid of Nearty to use a Gould healing device, you know, that one that Carter was able to leave behind in the base earlier. But Nearty <laughs> claims Kronos uh, is beyond her help. Thor tells O'Neill he must depart from Earth, leaving the negotiations in their hands, uh, which kind of sucks for the, the humans. Makes sense, mm-hmm. but it still sucks. Tilk later wakes up and recalls that he and Kronos were attacked by an invisible force. But it wasn't the Ritu. That was their Uh first uh, uh, thought. Hey, callback. Great callback to the Ritu. Uh Uh Putting that aside, Sam herself is able to use the healing device on Kronos again and heals him enough such that he is not going to die. Yay! Uh, Which then suddenly causes Nearty to be suspect number one. Uh, they uh, track her down and they accuse her of lying and developing a cloaking technology, which then throws you into a rage, who, who accuses her of threatening their relationship with the Asgard and coveting Cronus's territory. He attacks her, but she easily cloaks herself, procures a weapon, and flees, intending to head for the Stargate. However, Sam and an SGC soldier arrive with the two of them, now wielding trans eradication rods. Uh, those fun things they got from the Tok'ra to kill the Ritu. Mm-hmm. And she aims this directly at Nirti, who becomes visible. Sam mm-hmm. asks Nirti if she has ever seen a TER work, because right now, Sam would love to demonstrate. <laughs> Nirti surrenders. Yep. Under the circumstances, Smart. both you and Kronos agree to the treaty without Earth having to give up use of the Stargate. Yay! Before the Gould leave with Nirti a prisoner, Kronos informs the SGC that he will show no mercy to captured personnel in the future, nor will any other system lord. They depart. The episode ends with Thor's ship leaving Earth. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Fair game. Mm -hmm. What'd you think? So, as I was mentioning, I was starting to go down a silly little rabbit hole of, of like, paying too much attention to the details. And then I said, you know what? I got to let go and enjoy the ride. So, I let go. And I started to enjoy the ride. And there was a point when we were talking about, um, we were talking about a variety of, of system lords and species. And I was starting to get lost as to who was who. I think it was kind of early on. Um, 
you know, many of the names I had heard before, but I kind of was starting to forget who was in what spot and doing what and whatever. I was really, I was really thankful when Sam threw me a bone and was like, Cassandra's planet. I'm like, yes, thank you. That's yes. Okay. I'm back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so, uh, uh, so there was that, uh, and then the and then the other moment where I was a little like, "What's what?" was when um, was when Teal'c was explaining why he doesn't like Kronos, and I was sitting there trying to piece it together. His dad was once Kronos's first prime, and Kronos killed his dad, but the reason was unclear, and the synopsis didn't make it much better. Um, you know, killed his dad because of or like in an attack on one of Kronos's enemies. Okay, so what happened? Uh... Teal'c's dad, Ronak, was first prime of Kronos. Yes. Kronos tells his first prime and his Jaffa to go attack uh, Gould X, right? Gotcha. Gould X, in this particular situation, had a stronger or better position than Kronos, and Kronos's Jaffa lost the battle. Yes. Kronos gets oh. really, really pissed off and blames gotcha. Ronak for yes. uh, the failed attack, and so yes. in retribution kills Ronak for it, and then right. basically um, forces Teal'c and his mom to flee. They flee to Chulak, which is basically into the arms of Kronos's mortal enemy, Apophis. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. There you go. Uh, okay. That that I think pretty much sums up the only negative parts that I have about the episode. Sweet, because this was a pretty fun episode. I liked um, I liked the exposition of the um, of some more Gould system lords mm-hmm. and their relationship with each other and their conceptual relationship within the galaxy. I liked uh, having Thor come back and explain some of this stuff and start to set up some of this political stuff that I was talking about at the beginning of our episode of this is kind of the stuff that I enjoy. This is one of the things that I like about the Star Trek universe is the interplay, the political interplay, even though they don't Star Trek can sometimes like either overdo it or underdo it, but whatever. I like the concept and this is starting to kind of get set up. It's starting to feel well, you know what? I said this before. I think we are. I think this for me is starting to find another gear at the very, very beginning of season one. It was, hey, we got this weird technology. Let's go explore. And then it kind of hit a higher gear when I said it feels now that we're kind of in space. And and I think it had to do with some of the spaceships that sort of showed up and then most of them being um, apophysis. But sure. Um, but, you know, then it felt like it kind of kicked up a gear where it's like, OK, yes, this is a space sci fi. Woo. And now it feels like it's finding another gear. Yes, this is a space sci-fi with with uh, alien races that we are not just going to be visiting and, you know, having the alien of the week, but actually starting to develop relationships with of some kind. Yeah. Good or bad. And um, I did feel a little bit, like I said, I felt a little lost when there was a lot of names getting thrown about. But I'm also appreciating how the, you know, a, a, a kind of a... Uh, sort of an important piece of the story is that a person, a a viewer is going to have to kind of know more or less who those names are more or less and what they mean more or less. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. this episode probably doesn't work very well if it's the only episode you've seen. Um, If uh, you know, if, if you're just flipping channels and you land on Stargate and this is the one you watch, you're probably like, what, who, I don't know. 
There was a weird alien, dude. That's cool. Whoa, look at that. You know, I mean, like, but as far as, like, actually understanding what's happening, I think you have to have the backstory in your head in order for this thing to even make any any modicum of sense. Sure. Um, which, of course, we do. And therefore, I am happy because this is really starting to, you know, scratch that itch of, of um, you know, complex uh, interrelationship stuff that can happen at a, in a political sense uh, and then tossing some technology aspects in it and uh, throwing a little bit of a uh, little bit of monster of the week action with, uh, you know, with, with a ghoul world system Lord uh, having a cloaking technology that they don't know about, uh, you yeah. know, and Hey, look at that. It's, it was fun. It was fun. I, you know, the episode ended and um, I don't know. I was feeling like pretty satisfied. Like this was an all right episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I love about Stargate is that it and it does this. Frankly, it, does, it starts doing this more and more as the series progresses, which makes mm-hmm. sense because there's more and more in the rearview mirror that they can look at. But mm-hmm. but they will constantly uh, be reaching into the background and grabbing just this little bit of thing that you thought they'd never talk about ever again and mm-hmm. adding it to it. Right. Um, I mean, we've we've heard about. Uh, uh, near T before, uh, but it was really just kind of, you know, off there, no, no big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And now they bring Near T back. And spoiler alert, we're going to see all three of these ghouled again. Um, oh, okay. <clears throat> so uh, we are, you know, so when you talk about political intrigue and and the expansion of of the universe, uh, mm-hmm. that was intentional in in the writer room. Uh, that that you have these Guawuld who come in here, uh, and and we'll see them again. We'll see them again doing other things uh, that we'll have to interact with. And I'm finding myself like this is now kind of the moment. I'm really glad that I told myself to just quit it with the <laughs> quit quit noticing the details that are wrong, Brad. Just sit back because I'm like as I'm thinking about it now. I'm like I'm sitting here like you know what I want to see. I want to see a a map of the galaxy with these uh, system lore like plotted out. Like where are they? Mm. And that hasn't really mattered much. It uh, it it certainly does not matter conceptually if you're just bouncing around using wormholes, right? Um, because for all intents and purposes, each of these worlds is essentially across the room. Just you pick your room. Um, and so, you know, where they are actually in space and time don't really matter that much. But uh, now I'm just kind of curious. And that curiosity has more to do with me saying, um, I want to know more about this, this world. I want to know more about this little story universe. Um, and I don't know if I will ever get it. I I'm sure so, either it either it officially exists or it unofficially exists. I'm confident it exists. Um, I'm also confident that if I look at it, I'm going to end up spoiled to, the, to, to <laughs> snot. So I'm not going to actually pursue this thing. But I am, which you know, now that that's a bit of a that's a bit of a bummer. Now that I'm thinking about it, so so here's the deal. Yes, I'm trying to watch this series unspoiled right right i'm trying to enjoy the turns and twists as they come along as the story progresses as it was intended to be viewed right and 99 there wasn't really much of an internet i mean there was but you know not 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 much um and so at the time folks being able to share this kind of information you know somebody making a fan made hand drawn map 
using the information given so far, like pouring over every single episode and kind of coming up with the information, you know, like I'm sure that somebody was trying to do it, but I don't know if it was very well, you know, disseminated. But the point is that um, I'm kind of in a weird little eddy. I can't really go out and start to uh, explore uh, on my own amongst the information that's available because the exploration would take me into information that is not yet available. Right. And so, and so I'm sitting here like, boy, yeah. Uh, if maybe I should use the Wayback machine, right? The internet archive, <laughs> show me, show me this page as of July, 1999. Therefore, uh, you know, I, I should remain relatively unspoiled, but, um, yeah, whatever my musings in this little, this little tangent that I'm on right now, I think has a lot more to do with me, um, really feeling kind of like I'm clicking in, right? Right. Like, this is getting cool. Uh, uh, I, I, you know, wonder if there was a, you know, if there's, if there's an MMORPG out there for Stargate, that's like, hmm, now that's kind of an interesting thing. Again, I can't actually engage with it right now. It would, would be, it would, it would wreck everything, but I don't, um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think so, is. but, um, um, so, but, you know, as you were talking here, I was trying to think mm-hmm. about looking forward at things. I'm like, where is the point where you have enough information that some of the really big things that would be spoiled if you started searching that uh, for that type of stuff, you know, because, you know, I mean, there are those types of maps for things like Star Trek and Star Wars all over the place. And I have not absorbed even half of what's out there for Star Wars anymore. There's so much more now. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. But I've also done tons of you know looking at at various maps of the galaxy and all this stuff and looked at this and and uh uh have not found myself to be terribly spoiled even though uh there's a ton of information there that i don't know about i suppose that's true even though like Um, just because there's a dot on a map with a name next to it doesn't tell me any reason why that dot is significant right now that said in this particular situation there are a couple of primary hills uh, and mountains that we mm. need to cross um, and get a little bit more information before I could safely say, yeah, sure, just go and look out there and see, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, from where we are right now, if if I were to suggest you do that, you will see things that will uh, spoil things. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm trying to think, where is that moment in there? And I don't have a good answer for that. So, folks, if listening to this, if you know what that is, let me know. And uh, yeah, for I'll real, help, help that. So, Brent, I want to know what are some of your favorite moments of this episode? Those little snippets of things that you just really loved. One of the things that I was really noticing and paying attention to, and I was unsure if this was intentional or not. And this is a really peculiar thing to pay attention to. I was uh, noticing how the puppeteers were manipulating Thor. Mm-hmm. Side note: Hey, hey, first, first CG, uh, first CG, get up out of the seat and walk over. Use of Thor, um, um, which was painfully yeah. obvious. Taking a look at the uh, the mostly crisp uh, digital video that I was watching <laughs> now, it's like, oof. But you know, yeah. it's all right. It's all good. It's all good. It's twenty years old. Um, I was noticing that the puppeteers were do, were manipulating his eyelids and I was trying to figure out if if some of those really kind of like wide eyed moments, you know, jaw 
jaw down, wide eyes of Thor were intentional because the look on the puppet's face in that moment was of a little bit of like, what? Like there was a little bit of a, of a look of like, wow, really? Just the way that the eyes got big and the jaw dropped. And so right. I couldn't tell if that was intentional because if it was intentional, it kind of gave this uh, atmosphere of of astonishment. Like Thor was astonished with whatever was happening. And it was something to do with O'Neill. And I can't even remember what exactly. Right. But I uh, think that they are trying to be intentional about things like that. I mean, when you I think figured. about that, the, the puppet, the, the head moves, it tilts in all directions. The mouth moves there. There's actually some movement a little bit in the cheeks and the eyes get mm-hmm, bigger and mm-hmm. smaller and they can change their focus and whatnot. Uh, for a 1999 puppet on a TV show. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. And the reason you do that is so that you can have that puppet feel, emote and feel like he's uh, a real character doing mm-hmm. things. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're noticing eyes lifting up and, and, and things like this uh, and equating uh, emotions or thoughtfulness from that, I think that that would be intentional. So good. I would be keenly interested to hear other people's uh, thoughts on that one. If I'm reading too much into a puppet's face or not. Right. Also, uh, a part of me is kind of also wondering if that was accurate, just in part because I'm watching it in a really, um, technically it's a high definition. I don't think it's actually high definition. Like I don't think that the digital, the video that I'm watching through um, MGM's Stargate command app is, is HD. I don't know one way or the other, but um, uh if I were watching it on an SD screen, a tube, you know, tube television, I'm really unsure if I would even notice some of those more subtle moments or right. subtle movements of that well, face or not. Um, I can tell you that uh, they have never gone through the process of turning this into Blu-ray. So they've never, okay. never gone high def with this well, because that's a really expensive process. Um, yeah. Uh, so do you know if they, um, do you know if they filmed this or did they, uh, is this, did they do it? Uh, did they shoot it on film? Um, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would guess that the early seasons, uh, probably at this point in time, it was probably filmed on, it was actually using film, um, which means they could hypothetically go back there and clean it up and, and turn yeah, it HD. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it um, would be expensive, but that's sort of the, that's sort of the, 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 the later the seasons, you know, when you get to like season seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, um, I wouldn't be surprised, well, I don't know this, I wouldn't be surprised if at that point in time they actually started uh, filming it in digitally. Yeah. Um, that would have been in the mid-2000s uh, at that point in time. So that would have been right around that cusp of, of making that transition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you this. One of the things I loved about this episode are the Asgard's uh, comings and goings. I mean, talk about somebody who knows how to make an entrance or an exit. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I liked. I, I, I liked. I like. I was liking some of the little gags. I liked the gag, the transport gag. I yeah. liked that one where yep. O'Neill was there and then he wasn't. And in conclusion, like, <laughs> I laughed. Yeah, that was a dumb thing to laugh at, and I laughed. Um, it's good. Yeah, other things. Um. Yeah, I did make a note about the why are the dudes running around the hall with guns at that point in time? That's just stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> go, go, go. Uh, I, I, I thought about, uh, 
so Teal'c is not native to Chulak. And I'm like, does that mean anything? Does that matter? Um, and that's as far as my thought got on that. I didn't really get hmm. a chance to... Uh, um, well, he... he, he yeah. But he, so he got there as a boy, and you know he was effectively raised by um, Ricardo Montalban. Um, and so... You know, maybe for all <laughs> intents and purposes, he's he's a native Chulakian. Chulakian. Ch- 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 uh, yeah. Uh, a Chulakian. <laughs> um, but uh, Chulakian. Uh, but I'm kind of I'm kind of appreciating though that uh, what's his son's name? I can't. Uh, Ryak. Ryak. Um, that that Ryak's story, while significantly different in that his father isn't dead. Um, is kind of taking a similar arc as in uh, Ryak's dad was once the first prime of a powerful system Lord and no longer is. And for all intents and purposes, um, his dad isn't there anymore. Yeah. Even though he isn't right. Like it's, right. it's a, it's a weak uh, connection, but it still feels like a bit of a, of a pattern. You know, so system that's theoreticians would have a field day with that. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and I would love to read that. Oh, for real. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The this episode here for me is really, really tight. I was noticing that the acting was stellar in it. Um, mm-hmm. The the acting against the puppet was, you know, that's hard. Uh, mm-hmm. That's hard to do, uh, and it's done well. Uh, you get the characters just kind of really playing. Uh, into who they are very, very smoothly. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I love the introduction of the new Gua Wuld. I love the joke about you that never gets old for me. Um, <laughs> uh, and it makes me laugh when when the people uh, who are making this show uh, also giggle at that all the time. So <laughs> that makes me uh, just... Just smile. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this this sets up a lot of questions for me at, moving forward. Now I know most mm-hmm. of the answers to this, but still, uh, um, okay. So this actually answers something. We know from a long time ago that the the Asgard are very very powerful, more powerful than the Gulwuld, and yes. have not done anything about it. And mm-hmm. now they set up. Well, okay. Yes, you're right. Uh, but we've got bigger fish to fry, which mm-hmm. begs the question, what is worse than the Goa Wold? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I will respectfully push against it a little in so much as, yes, the Goa Wold have technology that is significantly past what uh, Earth has, for sure. But even with that technological gap, uh, so far, the story that we are being shown is that um, Earth and Earth technology is able to, with creativity, uh, keep Gulwuld at bay. Sure. Um, and so in that respect, the the actual gulf of power uh, does not feel as uh, expansive as it kind of felt at the very beginning you know as it felt during the movie and it felt during the the beginning of the first season okay well that does fair. feel like that gap is is not quite as big as it was before right but that said 
if the Asgard who can kind of waltz in and with a beam of light completely take out three Gould attack ships and, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, or I don't know, a lot of Gould and a planet in like a blink of an eye, what is out there that puts them on the back foot? Precisely. Right? And th- that's the point I'm trying to get at. It's not, yeah. not so much that the, the Gould are, are, you know, an insurmountable bad guy, um, although there is some, you know, it is a pretty tall mountain. But yes. it is uh, summitable. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but then what's out there that that has gotten the Asgard with all of their power uh, sitting on their back heels? Um, right. Uh, that that's a, a a really fascinating question that looms large. Um, and then you've got introduction to New Goa World. They have cloaking technology, individual cloaking technology, uh, mm-hmm. to some degree. Um, even if it's sim, it's not all of them. It's at least some of them. Um, you know, so what does that mean going forward as they deal with the Gua world? The Gua world wanted the Stargates, both of them. Oh my goodness. So how do the Gua world know that the earth has two Stargates? Is this something that they knew from before? Are there agents on the planet? We don't know, but they're big questions. How did they know that little bit of, of tit information? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because up until uh, two years ago, uh, three years ago, maybe the Google world really didn't know that earth existed. And now they know that earth has two stargates. Huh? So how did they do that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you got me kind of thinking back and it's like, well, did they not know or did they not care or did they yeah, we don't have to get into it because, you know, like it would probably take us another half an hour to get through the right, whole thing. But right, right. Um, I, I gotcha. Yes. Then, of course, you got the, the, the threat at the very end. Like, OK, you can keep the Stargate. But if we see you out if there, if I see you anywhere, yeah. I'm totally going to beat the snot out of you. <laughs> and <laughs> you I will not be merciful. This time. Um, but uh, once I leave your house, you're mine. And of course, uh, Kronos actually looks uh, while he certainly has this, this the costume of uh, an overdressed bad guy, uh, <laughs> uh, he also has uh, the gravitas, I guess, uh, that that would you know you take that threat seriously. Yeah, and I also kind of th- caught what I thought was a bit of a smirk of understanding, or of like uh, like a like the a, a the respect uh, that uh, what a rival gives to another even though they have every intention in the world of obliterating them. Like, I don't know if I was reading too much into that moment or not, Mm. but it definitely kind of looked like Kronos was enjoying, uh, not in a, like a, not in an overly like sadistic way. Um, sadistic right way. Uh, uh, but in a, uh, uh, in a like kind of appreciative moment of like, all right, like, and 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 now we have a newcomer coming into the fight, yeah. right? So yeah. you know, it felt like he was he was enjoying that moment a little bit, which I, was kind of nice. It was kind of neat to see, you know, in that moment. Then, uh, you know, Kronos knew about the Tauri at this point in time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But this is Kronos's first chance to interact with them, and uh, whatever the propaganda has been out there. Uh, Kronos does walk away from this clearly knowing that uh, the people from Earth are are savvy. They yes. they are not 
they are a dangerous threat. Um, you know, the, the threat goes both ways in this situation mm-hmm. now. Uh, yes. Up until this point, you could argue that uh, Earth has been kind of lucky uh, and really doesn't pose much of a threat to the Gua'uld. We have turned a corner now. The mm-hmm. Gua'uld recognize that Earth poses a true, real, imminent threat and needs to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a huge development here, which is really exciting to see. Um, we also get to see Sam using Gould technology again, right? We saw her use yeah, the hand device with Seth. Right. Was that just last week? That was just mm, last week. Yeah, that was just last week. Not for us. Not but for us. Yes. Yeah, but, but, uh, um, and of course, you know, and then here we see her use the healing device, uh, mm-hmm. which begs the question, where is this going in the future? Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, those are some of the things that pop into my head as I, the questions that this asks, um, which for an episode for me of TV that brings in that many types of questions and hooks for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still ends with a satisfying ending for this episode, right? I don't feel like we're missing chapters of this episode. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's, that's exciting to me to, to have that, that combination of, uh, of, of, uh, sorry, my, my parents just called me on my cell phone and that distracted Ring. me. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I was trying to catch uh-huh. it again. Um, uh, but uh, uh, this was a complete story. Yes, the, you were talking about how this this thing this thing is is telling us a lot, and you didn't feel like there were any gaps in it. Yep, uh, and 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 that's it. That's it. You know, so you got a complete story, um, mm-hmm. which which begins with something exciting. Uh, Carter getting a promotion, which mm-hmm. you know uh, she's getting recognized for all of the work that she's done. You know, it's like how could she have not yeah. gotten promoted earlier than this? Almost. Um, but it's done very, very well, um, all the way time, time, time dilation, (laughs) time dilation popped in my head just now. It's like, nope, nope, we can't, we can't keep using that as an excuse for all the weird, uh, timing things. No, no, no. Uh, no. Time dilation. Um, I don't think it would be, it was inappropriate that she was a captain for as long as she was. We don't know exactly how long she was captain, but it's definitely appropriate that she becomes a major Yes, uh, that is well deserved and and, and appropriate. Uh, so, um, you know, from that to to the end, it's a complete story that just takes you on a ride. There are a couple of gaffes there, especially early on, that you go, "What? What's going on?" Mm-hmm. Um, but this is what I come to expect from Martin Wood and Robert Cooper: uh, is to have fun, engaging stories uh, that are acted and directed well and shot well and. And uh, on all of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think this is probably one of the reasons why uh, Robert Cooper gets an executive producer chair eventually. I don't know if he's there yet or not. Mm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why Martin Wood gets to direct something on the order of 50 episodes of the series. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's not quite that high. I can't remember anymore. But uh, it's a lot. But it's a yeah. lot. Um, because they are actually producing. Uh, really good content that mm-hmm. really does all of these things. It's good storytelling. This is good. Yeah. This is a good one. Um, anything more that you have uh, to offer for this uh, episode? Nope. I'm good. All right. Uh, then I turn to you 
and mm-hmm. say, good dear friend Brent, out of seven chevrons, how many chevrons are you going to give fair game? Um, good story, fun story, lots of meat, setting up stuff that I like to think about, um, done in a way that was congruous and thoughtful. Uh, the moments that I had any critical reaction to had a lot more to do with a little like silliness or oddity than actual like flaw. Um, this feels like what I was hoping to get out of Seth, right? The second episode in the third season, the third season, things were, that's what, this is when it's starting to get good. And Seth was kind of like, what? what? <laughs> um, this is, uh, this is feeling like, uh, like I'm starting to kind of dig into yet another aspect of the show and it feels good. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of information in here. There's no way that a person could even think about skipping this one. I don't think and stay current with the lore of the story. Um, and as they're watching this, how on earth would they not actually enjoy it? I'm giving this one six out of seven chevrons. Six. This is a good one. Yeah. Um, and as I think about this episode, um, you know, there you're right. There, there are a couple of spots here or there that are kind of nitpicky. Where'd that mm-hmm. gun come from? Um, sure. But you know, the the one place that it is most uh, bonk bonk on the head in terms of uh, don't forget about this is when they're pulling out the Google World weaponry and they leave the oh, hand yeah. device there. Yes. Um, yes. But even that, it feels. Uh, smooth and uh, well transitioned and while we can certainly look back and say oh yeah of course they added that little scene there because we needed to remind everybody that we have a healing Google healing device mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that we have this other things that we can't use very well um, but it, it even that it did not distract from the episode at all um, and so for all the reasons we've talked about this, I agree. You are spot on. This is a six out of seven. Right on. Uh, yeah. Yay. Yay. Uh, this is a good one. Yeah. So, we just watched Fair Game. We both gave it a six out of seven. We're like, ah, oh, this is a great mm-hmm. way to really kick off season three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next episode, Brent, is called Legacy. Mm-hmm. And this is the point in the podcast when I ask you, what legacy is all about hmm. legacy the sg1 team travels through the gate to find themselves in a strange w- wait a minute no they recognize this world they've been here before they just can't quite place it because so many worlds look alike all of them look a little <laughs> like northwest the pacific northwest but this one they recognize as being that one planet that i can't remember in the second episode of the first season. Oh no, we're back on the planet where all this stupid stuff happened. What are we going to do? The the SG-1 team tries to figure out why on earth they ended up back in the Emancipation Planet and how they can possibly engage with this entire storyline all over again in a way that that isn't the worst in the world. Will they be able to rescue their legacy? Join us next time on Stargate <laughs> SG-1 Legacy. Uh, wonderful. Uh, point of no. order, Brent. 
Legacy yeah. is the fourth episode in the season, not the second. Yeah, yeah, I was talking about Emancipation. Or, 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 emancipation is the fourth episode of season one. You got Children of the Gods, which is one and two. Enemy Within is three, oh, yeah. and Emancipation. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Second second story. Okay. You, we'll to story. be fair, second though, it is, it is the first planet that we see them going to, not including Tulek. So, Good point. I'll give second you planet. Okay, I'll, I'll go on that one. Okay. All right, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna do something where uh, the, where the legacy of uh, Stargate is like at stake? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I am so confident that you are right on the money, um, or something like that. I am ready <laughs> uh-huh. to watch the promo. Okay. Uh, and uh, to this again, we say thank you to David for uh, making these promos for us. It's really helpful and exciting. To it is super helpful. It is amazing. All right, are you ready, Brent? I am totally ready. Here we go with thing. Legacy. Next time on Stargate SG One, on a routine mission, the SG One team finds only death. Oh no! Oh, all right, level A. But what or who is responsible? And is what followed them back, driving them mad? Oh. Oh. Oh no! It's all next time on Stargate SG One. This is great. This is great. Oh no, Doctor Fraser! Everybody! Oh. oh, they're all turning into zombies! Oh, that's fantastic! And I'm that, super excited. Yeah, that is Legacy. And uh, yeah. you, dear listeners, cool. can uh, hear our comments and talk as we discuss Legacy next week. Uh, and at this point in time, I will ask you to tell us what you think about Fair Game. Tell yeah. us where we got it right. Tell us where we got it wrong. Tell us... Uh, anything you want about the show, about your experience mm-hmm. of the show, uh, would love to be able to, uh, integrate more of your thoughts and comments into the podcast, uh, if they come, uh, when they come, I'll think positively yes, when they come. If. So tell us what you think about, uh, uh, <laughs> legacy and how, maybe yeah. tell us about the first time you saw that. What were you doing? If you remember that, uh, tell us what you think about it. Uh, bring those in there, and if they're at all helpful, uh, or even not helpful, we'll probably bring them in. You can tell yeah, us what you we, think. We kind of have a tendency to do that. That's true. That's true. Uh, tell us what you think by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Slow and steady, dude. Slow and nice. steady. You know, I just went too fast early on. I just can't do that. I got, <laughs> you know, it's like the marketplace. Sometimes it's got to crash. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the sun. Sometimes it's got to set. There you go. Uh, but the sun doesn't actually move. We move. Uh, but Shh. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't. We don't want to disrupt. Anyway, right, right. Uh, carry on. Uh, yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can tell us your thoughts and comments and experiences of legacy of fair game or whatever on Twitter mm-hmm. or on Facebook, walking through the Stargate. So please mm-hmm. come and join our community uh, and participate in the life of this wonderful show. I'm talking about Stargate yes. SG-1, not walking through the Stargate, although I do find it fun. 
I thought you were talking about walking through the Stargate. Ah, okay. So I'm talking about walking through the Stargate. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So uh, anything else for the good of the podcast, Brent? Well, I mean, yeah, but it won't happen until later. Oh. So today, no. So today, no. <laughs> so with that, dear listeners, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.